If you knew what God thought about you, it would change your life. See, if God exists, then he knows everything about you. He knows every thought. He knows every real motivation behind the choices you make. He knows the stuff you try to keep from everyone else. So, if that's true, how do you think he feels about you? I'll give you a hint. It's not even close to what you would expect. In fact, it's so much better that when someone truly gets it, their life is never the same. So, let's talk about it together. What would it feel like to know you are accepted by someone? Like completely, 100% accepted. Accepted for who you are. Of course, you know, not every choice you make, but what you think, what you feel, what you find funny, the stuff that makes you, you, is valued, is listened to, and, and not only tolerated, but it actually added to the love that person had for you. And that they're knowing that there would be nothing that could change it. Yet you couldn't lose it, you couldn't ruin it, you couldn't overstep your boundaries. It's kind of what we all want right? To be that accepted. In fact, the primary question we ask of every relationship is, do you accept me? And so we try to find people that are like us, that, that think like us, that believe like us, that act like us, that speak like us in order to be accepted. We might even end up conforming to a certain norm or even hiding things about us so that we will be accepted or that people will keep accepting us. Kind of sounds like middle school or high school, right? but we still do it. And then we assume that God is like us, that we think he's, he's fickle and easily annoyed and he has these criteria that need to be met in order to accept us and keep accepting us. And that there's these, these boundaries we could overstep and lose his acceptance. And we say, yeah, he loves us and he might like us sometimes, but since he knows everything about us, he doesn't really accept us, who we are. In fact, it seems like his whole thing really is about cleaning us up in order to make us more acceptable for him. And so we try to conform to what we're told he wants from us. And we try to prove that we're acceptable and we learn to hide parts about us or, or justify things about us that we think aren't acceptable. But even though we do that, it rarely feels like we fully get to be on the accepted side of God. We do that or... We just give up and we move on. In fact, feeling unaccepted by God and feeling unaccepted by those who say they follow God is a main reason why people feel burdened by Christianity. Main, a main reason why people reject Christianity. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's somebody you know. But here's the thing. When we look at Jesus in the eyewitness accounts, he keeps smashing people's expectations of God's acceptance. And what we discover when we look at those stories is that when we accept Jesus's acceptance of us, we discover an entirely new life. I want to give you a prime example in what we call the Gospel of Luke. Luke was an ancient historian and he researched all the stories about Jesus and put it into his account that we call the book of Luke. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat, setting the picture. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the Jewish people at the time. It's weird. Jesus goes to a Pharisee's house to eat. See, Jesus hung out with Pharisees too. Jesus would actually spend time with whoever wanted to spend time with him. 
Like he didn't differentiate. And you think like, but most of his followers, most of his following were common people. Like, isn't he afraid of alienating his base or condoning Phariseeism by being seen eating with a Pharisee? Jesus doesn't take other people's opinions into account when he accepts someone. See, Jesus is willing to associate with anyone who wants to associate with him. And so he went to the Pharisee's house, he accepted the invitation, and he sat down to eat. And we're picturing the the Middle Eastern low tables where people are kind of like laying on their side reclining to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Jesus is so not like me. For me, I'd be like, what the heck is going on? Like, what are you doing, lady? Those are my feet. This is disgusting. But Jesus isn't bothered by this really awkward situation. And listen, he wasn't bothered or annoyed by her emotions. He wasn't bothered by her tears. He wasn't bothered by her status. He wasn't bothered by her past. And he wasn't bothered by the interruption. And he wasn't bothered by that perfume like emanating up from his feet, ruining his food. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. I don't know what it is, but we often insist on rejecting the people Jesus insists on accepting. And when we reject them, we think we have good reasons, right? Especially if we're religious people. We think we have good reasons to reject them. I mean, sin. Don't you know how bad sin is? It is bad. But we have a good reason to reject them because because of sin. Or, and we might not put it in these words, but we can reject them because they belong to the wrong political party or a different wrong culture or a different religion, or one of those denominations, you know? And we say, well, (laughs) we can't condone their lifestyle by accepting them. Read the Gospels. Read the eyewitness accounts of Jesus. And I dare you to find me a time Jesus rebuked or lectured someone for accepting the wrong person. Oh, I can't believe you accepted them. I'm mad at you because I'm Jesus. It doesn't happen. So the Pharisee says to himself, well, Jesus can't be a prophet because he allows this, this sinful woman to touch him. He doubts that Jesus is even a prophet. But see, the thing is, Jesus didn't just prove he was a prophet. He proved he was God because of his mercy, because of his love, because of his compassion that compelled him to love this woman, to, as we'll see, forgive this woman. See, I, th- I think we insist on rejecting people instead of accepting them because we know we have sin. And so deep down, we think we should be rejected also. And so we try to, try to earn our acceptance. And so then to reassure ourselves that, you know, we're, we're good enough to be accepted, we tell ourselves, well, we aren't like them. And so we feel better. But listen, if you need to compare yourself to a them in order to feel accepted by Jesus, then you don't really know Jesus. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, 
I suppose the one for whom the, he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. See, Jesus' acceptance is offensively inclusive. One thing we see regularly in these accounts of Jesus is that if you reject the people Jesus accepts, then you're probably going to have a very awkward conversation soon. So watch this. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Jesus says to this Pharisee, look at her. Look at this woman. It must have been so uncomfortable for Simon. Because he probably that whole meal while she's making the scene, he's probably like averting his eyes from her and pretending she's not there. Like not even giving her the dignity of even looking at her. And so Jesus forces Simon to see her, to look at her as an actual person made in God's image. He says, you think because your, your sins aren't maybe as noticeable as others, that for some reason you have a right to disdain this child of God, this woman? You think you have the right to dehumanize her by labeling her a sinner? Look, I know who she is, and she knows who she is, and I accept her. See, the woman knew her sin. She wasn't standing there arguing, Jesus, I'm not a sinner. I'm, I'm great. I don't know why they label me a sinner. She knew that she was a sinner. She's not arguing it. She admitted it. She, and she knew nothing could change it except Jesus. And so the problem was Simon the Pharisee didn't see himself as a sinner. He didn't actually know himself nor who Jesus really was. But she did. And you know what else she knew? She knew, what it, she knew what it was to be rejected. And now she knew that she had finally found the one who completely accepted her. See, nobody was denying this woman had a past. But Jesus wasn't harsh with her. See, for some reason, we often picture Jesus like pointing a finger at us, like oh, condemning our sins. How could, you, how could you do this again? How could you think that? Ugh, how could you try to conform again? But he's not pointing a finger. He's waiting with open arms. He's chasing us like a parent chasing the kids they love with open arms. All we have to do to be accepted by Jesus is to accept that embrace. And once we do, then something happens. See, then we start seeing the world. We start seeing our lives. We start seeing the people around us in a different light. And we start making different choices. Not because we're afraid of rejection, but because we know we are accepted by the only one who matters. See, our love is a response to Jesus' love. That's why Jesus' best friend John could write, we love because he loved us first. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Isn't it interesting that people get angry when you accept the people they reject? 
See, when, when they're using a them to measure themselves against, and then it's taken away, they're forced to see their own sin and, and then to see their empty efforts to deal with it. But look again at what Jesus does here. He ignores those angry men. He doesn't even answer them. And he reassures the woman. He turns to the woman and he says, look at me. Don't, no, don't look at them. Don't listen to them. Look at me. You're good. We're good. I am on your side and you are mine. What requirements did she meet to get that attention from Jesus? Faith. She simply came and accepted that she was accepted. She simply trusted that Jesus would save her, that Jesus would forgive her, that Jesus would accept her. He says, your faith has saved you. You chose to trust me. You chose to, to trust my acceptance of you. You chose to accept my forgiveness of your sin. Your faith has saved you, just like it saved Abraham and just like it has saved everyone since. See, the only requirement to have Jesus' acceptance is to accept it. And then, once he tells her she's accepted, what does he tell her to do? Isn't that interesting? He doesn't give her a list of rules. He doesn't give her a list of requirements or rituals to make herself better. And he doesn't say, all right, knock it off, like change all that, or we're going to have a very different conversation very soon. See, so often we think following Jesus is this burdensome thing where we're constantly being measured and weighed and prodded and poked and all that. So burdensome and tiring. But if following Jesus seems burdensome, then it's not following Jesus. What does he tell her to do? He tells her to Go in peace. To go in peace. Go in peace with God. You are forgiven. You are accepted. You are loved. Our relationship is restored because you trusted me. He says, go in peace. Go in peace with yourself. You can look at yourself in the mirror again. You don't have to have that label of, of sinner anymore. That's not who you see now when you see yourself. You are now the woman who loves Jesus because he loves you. You are now known forever as the woman who loved Jesus much. And then go in peace. Go in peace with others. Now you can offer that same acceptance that you have experienced to others. Jesus accepts us so that we can accept others for him. And some watching, some listening, might be thinking or feeling, ah, again, why do you always talk about love and acceptance? Are you getting all progressive and liberal? I don't even know what those things mean. First, the reason I'm always talking about this is because I'm a jerk and I need these constant reminders. See, we think, when we think of accepting certain people, I think in me, we get all Pharisee-ish. Like we think, oh, let's accept them. But what about their sins? What about them? They are forgiven. That's what. Yeah, but if, if we accept them, then we condone their sin. It's not your job to make that distinction. It's not. You know whose job it is to, to point out sin? The Holy Spirit. Check out his job description. See, people know they are sinners. The Holy Spirit does a good job. They need to know they are accepted and loved. And when we truly experience that, Jesus will work on what he wants to work on in his own time. And so what do we do? We need to start focusing on what he wants us to work on. Second reason I love talking about this 
is because understanding this, understanding and experiencing God's love and acceptance is the key to everything. It's the motivation behind everything we do. That Did that woman, do you think, did that woman leave her life of sin? Undoubtedly. How could you not after that experience? But why? Was it because Jesus lectured her? Jesus read her the Ten Commandments and, and put it on her door? Is it because, you know, the religious people wouldn't condone her sin and so refused to associate with her? Is it because she was told the truth in love? No. It's because she was accepted. It's the fact that she discovered the truth that she was loved. See, at the beginning of this episode, I said, when we accept Jesus' acceptance of us, we discover an entirely new life. We discover a life where we can rest in the love of Jesus, where we don't have to prove or earn anything. A life where labels that others put on us mean nothing. In fact, if you really want to dig into it, I want you to check out a book called You Are Special. It's a kid's book by Max Lucado, and it will give you a perfect view of how we don't have to worry about the labels people put on us. In fact, when we start following Jesus, when we understand how much he loves us and accepts us, we discover a life where we aren't wondering whether we're in or out, but a life where we can go in peace. We discover a life where we have the privilege of giving this peace to others and inviting them to enjoy it with us. See, Jesus's acceptance changes everything. And when we know who Jesus is and what he thinks about us and what he actually offers us, we can't help but be transformed. In fact, in fact, the pastor Dane Ortland said, it is impossible for the affectionate heart of Christ to be over-celebrated, made too much of, exaggerated. It's impossible to talk about it too much. And so this week, let's discover it more. Let's discover who Jesus really is more and more. Let's read what it means, what Jesus calls us to actually be and experience with him. So let's read Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That is what Jesus offers us. So read that once a day this week. And then ask, do I need to accept Jesus' acceptance? Maybe for the first time, and maybe for the millionth time, to remind yourself that you are accepted by Jesus because he wants to accept you. And then ask, what have I been doing to try to earn this acceptance? Not just accepting, but what, am I, what have I been doing that kind of forces me to try to earn it? And then, a very important question, do I need to offer acceptance? Are there people you have rejected, whether it's because of their race or their culture, or their sexuality or their political party, whatever it is? Is there somebody that Jesus is accepting, but you keep trying to reject? It might get messy. It might get dangerous. It might get kind of gray area. That's okay. A motto I've been try trying to live out lately is, I would rather get in trouble for who I accepted than who I rejected. So who do you need to get in trouble for accepting? Think about it. What if we stopped trying to figure out who's in and who's out and we simply accepted the people Jesus accepts? 
What if we could stop trying so hard and hiding who we are and could accept that we are accepted simply, completely, and powerfully? It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what others say or what others think about you. Jesus accepts you. He forgives you and he loves you. He accepts you. And so my encouragement to you is accept that you are accepted and then live like it. Thanks for watching or listening to this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are a church in Salem, located physically, but online for you via YouTube, social media, or the podcast. If you're listening or watching via those two, make sure you like and subscribe, rate and review, all those lovely things. You can reach out to us through our website or just email us at infoyourcrosscreek.com. We'd love to know that you're watching. There's also a welcome form online that you could fill out and it's a great way to say hello. You can also request a free Bible. We have in-person gatherings coming up on May 22nd, June 12th, and June 25th. We have more dates coming up on the calendar as well that you can check out online. But we look forward to seeing you in person, and we hope you have a great day.